State of Digital Publishing is creating a new publication and community for digital publishing and media professionals in new media and technology. In this episode, we speak with David Markovich, founder and CEO of Online Geniuses. David is a product and bot builder with a marketing background as a direct consultant for some of the largest brands, including Google, Comedy Central, and many more. Let's begin. Hi, David. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me. I'm honored to be on your podcast. I appreciate your time, David. Um, We've spoken in the past and... You've given me some really good insights around building your online community, and it's great to be able to share this with everyone else. Uh, thank you for joining us. Just, just to start off with, just can you provide a bit of a background for those who don't know much about OG? Yeah, sure. So, Online Geniuses is essentially the social network for digital marketers, and it's an important network because marketing is continuously evolves and changes, and different trends happening and tools popping up and strategies. So if you want to stay in the loop, it's it's fairly hard to discover on your own where the industry is going. So I think with a group of people you're able to communicate with and learn from others, especially in you know different countries and different cities around the globe. So see what other people are using and be able to, you know, build relationships through there. It's an invited only I mean it's a vetted community. So we have around 16,000 members that each one of them were manually vetted. And so the quality is very high and the engagement is extremely high. So probably when this podcast goes live, we'll be at 2 million messages sent within the community. That's awesome. That's a good milestone. And and I believe you're on Slack only, correct? Yeah, we're, we're based on Slack, but we do tend to do a lot of things in person as well. So we do like breakfast, dinners, drinks, meetups, and so on. So people can meet face to face. And how important do you find that to be in order to continue to drive online and community engagement, the offline aspect of it? So it's very important to humanize the community, right? A lot of times when there's that and there's thousands of communicating, you forget that there's, these are actually people that have their own lives and have their own stories. And I think it tends to happen. The, the, the community gets stronger when you meet in person. You're like, oh, you're the person behind the username. You know, I've, I've had friends that I met online and we chatted for years and, you know, we could get our relationship will become much stronger in one night hanging out than, you know, dozens of online conversations because you actually get to really know the person and it gives you the chance to pop back in the community and, you know, kind of hunt for that new person that you're like, oh, wow, I really bonded with these people. And it encourages folks to set up their own in-person events, utilizing the online geniuses community as well. Absolutely, definitely. You've always got a someone else. You would have that place in their minds because they've met you in person, as opposed to being someone just who's a virtual person, I guess, in their mind. Yeah, and people change. Like I realized, I've hosted some of Reddit events before, and redditors are known to be very tough and almost impossible to deal with in certain cases, and they they're always on the offense. And when I when I used to host Reddit events years ago. And when I met them, I'm like, oh, wow, you're just regular people. You're just obnoxious online. <laughs> and I think people, people online are very different than they are in person. And I think, so I, I work in mental health. I run a community also for mental health. And I realize a big problem is, uh, especially in, in the teenage demographic, is that people tend to think that the personas folks want 
people to see them online are, are almost the exact opposite how they are in person. So you see like on Instagram, you know, we're in the age of filters and everyone seems to be on vacation and having the time friends and going to cool places. And when you realize that's a very, very small part of their life. And a lot of times when they're in those situations, they don't enjoy it as much as, you know, somebody who's not chasing that online karma or that online uh, perception. It's very hard to enjoy if that's what you're chasing. That makes sense. It was a good segue to the point. So why did you decide to choose Slack and, and what was the what's the origin behind where OG online genesis came to where it is today? So it's it's funny enough because I'm actually watching that happen right now with another community I recently started. But it started I just wanted to connect people I do in digital marketing together in a group. So I put them in Skype and I went through my Skype list and I started just adding people I know that do digital marketing. In the Skype group, until I hit around like 30 or 40 people. And I'm kind of doing that similar now. So like I made a group on WhatsApp with all the people I know in New York that are very well connected. I started just adding them into WhatsApp. Now they want to add their friends and now it's expanding. It's very similar. It's almost like deja vu again. And at some point we hit like 300 people in a Skype group. And that was before you were able to mute communities. And it was becoming very painful for people to be part of the community just because how annoying it was. And I found it quite annoying also. And I discovered Slack and I decided to move the community over to Slack because people were, were already used to chatting in that live chat or in that live chat type of ecosystem. So I moved everyone over to Skype. I went to Slack and it grew from there. Did you ever consider Facebook groups or like you said, you're speaking about Reddit, how it's a tough crowd. And I assume that you've sort of crossed that off the list when you decided to move over prior to moving over to Slack. But did you consider any other platforms in your decision making? Yeah, I actually considered quite a few. Um, Facebook was Facebook and LinkedIn were totally out of the option due to the fact is that you don't want to be so reliant on the platform, right? So the more reliant you are on the platform, the less control you have. And you almost have zero control in a Facebook or LinkedIn group. So for example, if LinkedIn decides to close you down or LinkedIn is not active anymore or Facebook's not active anymore. You lose, it goes with the community. So I, uh, an aspect that was extremely important was to me was to make sure to collect everyone's email address just in case whatever platform we're on, it would be easy to migrate to something new. Or worse comes to worse, just turn into a newsletter. Um, I also wanted something where you, where you could set up a landing page and you didn't really have that option on Facebook, Reddit, or LinkedIn. Where people come to learn about the community, they could engage, they could sign up to a newsletter, they could see your social, they could see your meetups and AMAs. And, and that meant a lot to me, especially because my background is search, right? So SEO, and I wanted to make something that people were able to discover organically while searching online for something that we offer. And that's why I chose on Slack. And a big, a big thing was the channel. So there were, since it's a very broad topic, or at least I believe it's a broad topic, digital marketing, I wanted to be able to. Uh, breakdown in different channels, what people are looking for. So somebody might be really strong in paid ads, very weak in email, you know, very really wanting to learn SEO. And they came in and their background is analytics. So I want to, you know, people to find their own tribe within online geniuses. So other communities wouldn't pop up to, to solve that problem. So they, oh, that's just really broad digital marketing. It's kind of a mess. Why don't you join our email marketing community? Yeah, I guess Slack provides a huge advantage that you can actually create those different channels which can essentially help you host all those people who want to look for a specific topic. And I'm assuming it's going to also provide you the ability to export those contacts as well. 
Yeah, you're able to export the context. People are already using Slack. People are using Slack during work, right? So when do people normally use Facebook? When do people normally use Reddit? Obviously, people use it during work, but it's not that appropriate, right? So you can't just be on Reddit when your manager is right behind you or your co-founder is sitting there. But if you're in a Slack group, it's kind of, people look at that as like a work social network. So you're going there to learn more, make connections or do something productive. It's very hard to differentiate whether you're in a Facebook group or you're talking to a high school friend when you're in, you know, a social network like that. How do you see the adoption of Slack though at the recently? Do you think it's continuing to grow? Because it might also depend based on, because you're working on two different communities. How do you see the difference between that? Because as a digital marketer, myself as well, I see that because we're more savvy, digital orientated and savvy, we might adopt it more easily as opposed to someone else in a different industry. Maybe. Right. So when Uber came out, it was the very technical app driven audience that was using Uber, at least out of my friends. Right. So my friends that were in like finance were still hailing cabs in New York City. And so we're like, hey, check out Uber. It's more of that, that brain set of like the curious mind. And a lot of it is a lot of that is very common in marketers where we're like just very curious. We're willing to try things new. We love to download things and criticize and find better solutions. And that's what makes us good marketers, right? Yeah. But now when I speak to everyone uses Uber and it's slowly, slowly adapted pretty fast where it's like, wait, I could download an app and get the car to me. And it made it very easy. And I think that's where Slack's heading as well. And I I onboarded quite a few companies to Slack and I, I dealt with all different age demographics when onboarding. And as you were saying, some departments, they're just, they have no interest, right? They're kind of happy where their their software stack is and they don't see the need or don't want to expand on, on what they're using and they don't want to use that brain power to learn something new. They're kind of set in their ways. And it's not necessarily a bad thing because for certain departments, that's exactly the, the type of mindset you need. Yeah. Right. Like if you're working in compliance, you don't want someone in compliance to have a marketer's mindset. Like maybe we could do this. Maybe we could do this. You want someone's like, hey, this is what's going on and we have to stay in this lane. But I think slowly, slowly it's going to be adapted. And if not ready all around, like they they're set up with HIPAA. They have pretty high security standards. And there's no reason why some super large corporations who haven't adapted Slack start doing so. Yeah, I'm definitely the, my group list is definitely growing for Slack as well. So I'm in the same boat as you. I agree with that. So let's go back to you, to the journey of explaining how OG became where it is today. So you started speaking about how you Skype, you had Skype, you grow your initial list, you grew out, then you moved over to online to the Slack platform. So what were some of the challenges and what were some of the key milestones you achieved in order to get to your first thousand? Yeah. So initially what I did was, I'm, I it was pretty impulsive. So I said, hey, I didn't want the Skype group. A lot of work has been into the Skype group and there was a lot of connections in there that, and people I had liked hearing from. And so I just made up and I like, hey, moved to Slack. And a lot of the comments were like, what is Slack? Like, that's how early it was. Like, what is Slack? And I'm like, no, it's this platform. You know, I tested it out. It's pretty interesting. And um, nobody really wanted to move. Um, so everyone thought the Skype community was over because everyone, because mo- most of the community migrated to Slack. 
and the few that were in Slack, there were not that many members. So they thought the community would just they they were they had no interest in communicating in the community. So it was pretty it was a pretty tough time until you know I threw up a landing page and threw up onlinegeniuses.com and branded it as a Slack community and started different growth channels to build that up. And I remember when I hit a thousand, when I hit like five hundred, I was like, and the activity started rolling. And I realized like this this could work. Like this could really work. I'm just gonna keep on pushing at this. And I was having it was just a lot a lot of debates with people like, hey, why didn't you just expand it? And like a lot of th- a lot of conversations that we kind of touched upon, like why are you, why aren't you using this platform? There was a lot of people giving community advice to me. Like, why don't you use this platform? Why didn't you use this? Why don't you do oh this is gonna be terrible? And I was just like, you know what? I already made the move. I'm gonna stick to my guns and I'm gonna make this work. And that was a big moment. And then when I started monetizing, you know, as time grew on and we, we started hitting, you know, 100, when we hit like 100,000 messages, 200,000 messages, I realized it was working. And as the time grew, we started monetizing. We started hosting in-person events. We started becoming recognized within the industry. And, uh, and I was, it was very satisfying, especially that during that big transition, I thought I lost it all. So now it feels quite rewarding that it worked and it worked. I'm not saying it worked the best, but it worked to the best of my abilities to be able to push this along. No, I definitely see the type of people you bring on and how people naturally also engage in the community. So your accomplishments aren't by, by no means insignificant. It's, it's pretty significant what you've been able to achieve. I believe you're the largest Slack community. No, no, there's, there's probably someone else which is around the 40,000, but I think you're one of the biggest Slack communities online at the moment. Is that correct? Yeah, we're. I haven't came across any communities that are bigger. I think iOS developers is at 20,000, and that's the biggest one I've seen. Yeah. So hopefully soon we will be, but we mostly, like, I'm not chasing numbers. So if I wanted to be 50,000 person Slack community, I could probably do that. We could just accept everyone and kind of work backwards by eliminating the poor people instead of, you know, or not the poor, the destructive people. And instead we went the other route and we realized like we don't want to be, we don't want massive numbers. We don't want massive engagement. We want very high quality for people that want to learn. And through that, you know, we didn't have to ban a lot of people, you know, we didn't have to worry about like waking up and there's just tons of spam everywhere. So I don't know if we're the biggest. I mean, I haven't came across that many that were bigger. I told you one, but we're definitely likely the most engaged that open communities. Yeah, definitely. I think I think you guys are one of the most from what I've seen as well. David, you keep, uh, so do you think 500 is like the magic number where you're going to, if someone's going to put a goal into their mind to say, okay, I need to test this to make sure that it works or like to validate the concept of, of the community in Slack, do you think 500 might be the magic number? It matters of the community. So I launched the community six months ago yeah. and I had 20 people Yeah. and I was ecstatic and I was like, wow, this is proof because it was just very specific and there's not that many people. There's only the, the people I was looking for was only in like less than 500. So you have to look at the, a good metric is you look at other communities and you see how big, how big is the industry and out of how big is the industry, how many people of the industry use the platform that I'm launching this community on and figure out a goal number. And then from there, you could break out particular goals. So if the, if the industry is 100,000 people 
And uh, out of those 100,000 people, you estimate that 20,000 of them use Facebook. Your goal should be, if you're launching a Facebook group, 2,000 people should join this group, right? 10% of the possibility. If you grow larger than that, then you exceeded your goal. That's really good and clear to provide this information to other people who also to be realistic because people might be looking to get the biggest numbers, but if they haven't sized the market or haven't sized what else is there online, then they're setting themselves up for failure. So I appreciate you saying that. And then you also mentioned quite a few times in the conversation around the number of messages as a, as a metric. Why, why is that? I think I've said this before. I think it's fairly easy to create a community, creating, creating an engaged community. So I've worked with companies who built a community and they, they'll put a tremendous amount of money in ads and get a ton of people to join a Slack group, another platform or forum, and there's just not that much, there's not that much engagement, right? So growth, getting, tempting people to sign up to a newsletter is fairly easy. Getting people to open that newsletter and engage and refer their friends, that's the hard part. So you, you actually, it's a key metric that you use to, to measure engagement and also it's, it's something that you also present to potential advertisers or people who you use for monetization of the community? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, nobody, numbers, there's, there's newsletters out there with a million people that I wouldn't give a dollar to be in there. Yeah. Right? There's, we, we talked about Facebook groups. There's Facebook groups with people and there's just not engagement there. And it's very important. The engagement should be the largest, the, the most important metric that you present. Just while we're speaking on the topic, are there, are there any other qualitative metrics or engagement metrics that you measure or look at? Yeah, so organic growth is a very big metric that I look at. Like how many people how many how many people are joining from word of mouth? And that's like a really large that's a pretty important metric that I look at. And that's actually how we get most of our users now. So I'm pretty satisfied with that metric. Are people telling their friends? Are they finding this useful? And I realize like so I've done surveys in the past and it tends to be either the people uh, the members that are really unhappy or the or the members that are are really satisfied with the community, they'll fill out the survey. But what really matters is like who's are you telling your friends about this? Are you like liking this so much that you're gonna be like go into your community or your friends group and say, Hey, are you you should join online geniuses? Like I got a lot of knowledge out of there. I actually made a hire out of there. And that's a metric that I look at. So if it's organically growing with word of mouth and there's a tremendous amount of messages sent, I think that's a very valuable indicator of is this a successful community so organic growth i guess you can look at the growth acquisition channels and then from there determine whether it's organic search or those channels and then that's your overall organic growth kpi yeah so we ask everyone how when they join how do they hear about us and a lot of it is just word of mouth makes sense and what do you find these days in terms of growth acquisition what channels do you find that helps i know it's going to be very different depending on your different niches but for people in digital marketing what do you find the best growth acquisition channel to start off with at least so for our it's it's a lot of it's search so people searching for communities on google like hey where could i chat with people about ppc and we hope to show up you know in those type of search terms and it's been working pretty well right okay so You've spoken about then you reached the point where you started monetizing. So what does monetization look like in online communities and what's the way that you can monetize but without 
compromising the quality and, and what your community is all about. We call them partners. We don't call them sponsors because I look at them as like a partnership. So just like we vet members, we also vet sponsors or partners. So we don't let anyone get in front of our community because, again, we have that trust factor of like, hey, there's only so many times we can mess up before another community comes to take our place. So we work with sponsors and we had the pleasure to work with some of my favorite tools. And I was, so, you know, we look through, we have a form that people fill out, hey, I want to get, we, when you sign up to Online Geniuses, we give you a checkbox. Hey, do you want to push your product to Online Geniuses? So right away, we just have a bunch of warm leads right off the bat. And then we have someone look through those and say, hey, what is the community looking for? And how could we arrange something between them? And we've been pretty happy with how that's been going. And, and it's when you're in a community, either you're paying for it or someone else is paying there to be there, for you to be there. And we rather let people come in you know, free of charge and somebody else pay for them to be there, which is like a sponsor to get in front of them and uh, without compromising the quality of the community on either side, on either side of the spectrum. So, and it's been working. So we're pretty happy about that. What are some of the favorable moments and sponsorships that you've been able to to, uh, put together, which has benefited the community and what's been the impact of that? I I think, so one of my favorite moments, when we we started getting some really good AMAs. And so like really early on, we got the VP of audience development at TechCrunch to do an AMA, uh, Travis Bernard. Nice. Really nice guy. And it was really a big moment for our team because we we read and still read TechCrunch all the time. And they do a great job with audience development. They're likely doing the best job with audience development in the the technology news space. So that was like a pretty big deal. When we got a sponsorship from SEM Rush, so they're one of our largest sponsors now. And that was a pretty big moment. Because we we all use SEM Rush, and when they came to us, and you know we worked something out, it was a big moment. They're like, hey, they our favorite software came to us, and or one of our favorite softwares came to us, and you know wanted to do a deal, and we it made a big impact, and it it showed you know the community that we were able to make some moves, and I think another big part was probably when we hit like five thousand members. I, I remember that day when I was like, wow, five thousand people. Like I haven't been to conferences where there were 5,000 people and this is globally. And these are all people with like different cultures and different tactics. And I became friends with a lot of them. So 5,000 was a, was a fairly, was a fairly big point in our community. Uh, I think also, yeah, we got like Gary Vaynerchuk to do something with us. And that was a pretty big moment. But I think overall, like, I think a big moment will be the day, you know, we had like 2 million messages and. And I think uh, when we do some more very unique in-person meetups, so I like to try to gather people in locations where they don't normally meet and discuss marketing. So we did one in like Tunisia, Africa. Wow. Uh, that was pretty nice. And we do some, we're trying to do some more in like very, very remote locations. And that's something that I actually get involved with. So I don't normally get involved with the meetups. They're usually chapter leaders from within the community. They get supported by a local organizer. Yep. Uh, but we do like these really specific ones where, hey, like we never had a marketing meetup ever in this location. And that's when we'll get involved. And that's when I'll get involved and try to make it work. That's pretty awesome that you've got to that level of having just local chapters and and everything around that. And yeah, so to the point of local chapter leaders and advocacy, did you find that the, that people naturally started saying, I want to get more involved or... You you hired more people. How did how did that process work? Once you came to a point where you were fairly sizable as a community. Yeah, 
So I, I guess, so as, as someone who I've essentially been running communities my whole life, my whole working life, and you always get those emails, like, I want to help out. Like, it's really that, an email that just says that, yep. where it's just like, I want to help out. And you're like, oh, cool, with what? And they're like, I'm not sure. So with, with outreach like that, I don't find it, like, I, get, I sometimes create, like, hey, what are your strengths? And, and there are people that they want to get involved, they're just not sure how. And, and I actually really appreciate that. Like, I appreciate, like, I'm willing to do, like, I want to help out. Like, I, I utilize this community and I'm willing, I want to help out. But it's really good when it's like someone's like, hey, I'm located in Detroit. I see a lot of other people are located there as well. And I would love to run an event for online geniuses. And th that's when we see things, uh, that's when we, things, when we see things start rolling into action and moves being made. When people come in and they want to volunteer, they want to help out with just a direct idea and make it come to life. So do you find that that's happening more often or is that, or do you also go out and start recruiting people as well? So I started that. So when I first started the local meetups, which I don't, I'm not really, which we don't really do that often anymore. It just became super time consuming. And also like we would build up a meetup for a person we never met. So we would like, Hey, this is the online geniuses meetup in this location, help them run their first two meetups and then say, okay, now it's in your hands. And what they would do is they would just rebrand it as their own, take the members and start their own meetup, which is like very entrepreneurial of them. But they used us as a stepping stone to do this. And now they run a meetup and they'll start like their own mini community, which I see many times fail. And it's a lot of it's based on online geniuses. So we kind of put a hold on that. It was just a lot of work. Like it was a lot of handholding for community, for people, folks who ran communities. Yep. And, and then sometimes eventually just as some of our biggest meetups just either died out or they went to go start their own brand. And, and it's a big, it's a big issue. So I have a, I have a lot of friends, so like Cortland from Indie Hackers, and some other friends who, who do a lot of these global meetups under one brand. And they, it's, it's very hard. Like you end up putting in a lot of hours to manage these and uh, make sure everyone gets su supported. And so somewhere we have a few that are up and running and they do pretty well, but in regards to expansion, that's been on hold. So when I first started out, when I first decided that I wanted to do global meetups globally, I reached out to a lot of these marketing meetups that were kind of dying. And I reached out to them and said, hey, you know, we have this brand. We would love for you to be a part of this and we could help you get speakers and space. And how about you revive this? And a lot said, yeah. So we built out this massive network of people who ran meetups and we were able to get them all into one place and utilize each other to build relationships and utilize Online Geniuses as a parent organization to help them grow. And we put together like a huge doc about how to expand meetups and how to grow them. And we found it to be like, we found it to be good. It just, it was, very, it was super time consuming and we're not a big team. So, and they definitely weren't profitable, quite the opposite. So they've been on hold for a little bit. Yeah, that's, that's pretty interesting. That, that's definitely a challenge. And would you say that there's other examples you've seen online that work? I know it's time consuming, but you said Indify was one of them that does it. Do you know of any other, other examples that do that? I know Product Hunt used to do quite a bit of them. I'm not sure what they're doing, what they're doing these days in terms of local community events, but do you know any other ones that are working fairly well? I think Startup Grind does a pretty good job. Um, like you said, Product Hunt. A lot of the ones in the startup ecosystem, I, have, I haven't come across too many marketing ones. 
And that, and that was the issue also. It was just like we were, there was just not that many people doing what we were doing. So it was hard to kind of find others for, you know, look at others for inspiration. And that became like, it was kind of like teaching myself this from scratch. Like, how do we manage 30 people who are running events around the globe? How do we delegate time for each of these? How do we find the right support? How do we prevent errors from happening? How, can we, how do we make sure everyone feels that everyone feels that they're part of this and we didn't have a lot of inspiration and a lot of it was just learning ourselves and and i think you know when we turn when we start running the meetups again i think we now we learned a lot of lessons and we hope that we hope for them to be wildly successful so without going i guess i don't want to share too much of your it'd be good to get more more of your learnings but on top level if you want if you can what are some of the things you'll do next time differently so initially, I was paying for all the meetups for the organizers. Yeah. So that was like a big issue because it was like every quarter, almost $1,000 just for the meetup fees. Right. And if people weren't running meetups during that time, like, oh, no, I don't want to run a meetup. We're, we still have to foot the bill. Now, hey, you want to start a meetup? You got to put, you know, we'll help you with this. We'll bring this to the table. You bring this. And part of that is you pay your monthly fee for your meetup. And that was like a little bit encouragement to keep the meetups going where it's like, oh yeah, you're actually paying for something. And that's been working. And we, we've seen once we handed over the full control of the meetups to the organizers, they ended up putting more effort and work and kind of feeling like it's more of their baby and they can't get kicked out. It's their property and they're just using our brand and we'll do whatever we can to get to fill their meetup up. And in return, they push these local cities, which grow the communities and uh, from a geo perspective. Makes sense. So giving them as much accountability as possible, I guess, to give them that freedom, but at the same time, fit within the brand is is the key. For the, is the key there? Exactly. You need like some. You need some skin in the game to to move this forward. And I, and I think about unlimited time. Like I would fully focus on the meetups because I really enjoy, and I think a, a ton gets accomplished when when like minded people get into a room together to discuss things. And I think it's a great way. And I've met some of my strongest business partners at events and i want to pass that over and i'm a big believer in karma strongest believer in karma like what goes around you know it definitely comes back around and if we make these things if we make these like ripples from around the globe and we have the potential to do so a lot of those ripples from around the globe will come right back to online geniuses and we've seen that happen and we've seen that happen quite some time Absolutely. It does. Um, because it's, just, it's about how you leave an impression on other people. I 100% agree. And I'm on board with Karma as well. So David, just just coming back a bit to onboarding below advocates. How is it currently in the online Slack group now? Do you have a team of moderators? How does that work? Yeah, so we have like a team of like 15 moderators in different time zones. So they can moderate the different, you know, channels and spam and stuff of that sort. And we find that very helpful. Because it's quite impossible to read through everything every hour. It's just it's a lot of time. So when we when it's split up, you know, with the moderators and myself and some of my team, it makes it a really strong community. And, you know, you think you could just leave a community alone and it'll just grow and self please and stuff. It's it's quite wrong, and and that's something I preach a lot. Like you have to feed the engine to keep it rolling, and you have to make sure that the community is is as strong as possible at every moment. So like, hey, what are some ideas that other communities are growing and what are, what are tools that people are adapting to that you could kind of integrate within the community? 
and we found that to be very helpful. Absolutely. And with the moderators, are they mostly part of your team or is it a combination of community members who have also stepped up as well? How much, what's the split, I mean, of that? Yeah, it's mostly it's mostly community members who stepped up to the plate and say, "Hey, I want to help out." Like we kind of we kind of touched upon this earlier. Like, yeah. Hey, I want to help out with the community, you know. And oh, cool. When you want to help out with, uh, you know, like to be a moderator and you know bring them on board, and we have like an onboarding session, and we could go through it. Awesome. Yeah, onboarding aspect and having the processes and tools in place is definitely helps with that. So, what are some of the tools and onboarding processes and stuff to use to help really make your day-to-day -day go as smooth as possible yeah so if everyone understands so this is mostly for the moderators we try to have like we try to ban as less as possible because we do realize there's a lot of room for error within a community specifically for people who just join so they might say hey i just joined this community this is a tool i'm working on and i built it other other members who've been a part of the community for quite some time might be like, hey, you're spamming our community, ban this person. And we're like, no, this person just joined, error. We'll warn them, point them in the right direction. Hey, this is where you should post this. And, and usually they follow, right? Like, I, I like to assume most people that come into community and end up spamming are not doing it maliciously just because of our vetting process. And I'll, um, and most times it's an error. Like, well, I'll get an apology. Hey, David, I'm, I'm sorry that, you know, I placed this in the wrong channel. We're could I post this or where could I ask for this? And I get those questions and I respond to every single one. And a big thing is, you know, so we, we before we ban someone, we, we warn them. And if we have to do, we, if we do ban, you know, we put it in a Google doc. So for example, if they come back and like, Hey, why did I get banned? And since there's so many moderators, I can answer, Hey, you know, this is, you got warned twice and you've just been continuously doing this and, you know, we're getting complaints from the community and we're, you know, you're trying to keep this as strong as possible and you're kind of you personally are making this weaker and you're making it a hard and they, they don't realize that they're not humanizing the community so they don't see it as human they see this as a channel that they could blast so they go on a facebook group they go on a linkedin they go on reddit they go on twitter and they go on online geniuses and like hey let's just blast this and we're like no we don't want this now you're not you can't be a part of our community anymore yeah absolutely no and that's the thing where it's, you're not trying to get yeah and that's yeah. why we don't charge right so because i don't want like oh wait this person's paying like i don't want to ban like i want it just the quality to stay strong and i don't i don't want anything else to be controlled by it. i mean we had sponsors we had to tell them to like hey you know you're we're getting complaints about you is it possible you could do it this way and and so on and, and people should know the rules so right when you sign up to online geniuses you get an email with exactly what our rules are and then until you get vetted it's like around two weeks so hopefully you remember and then when you join the community we have a custom made bot that we made that messages you and says hey this is the rules introduce yourself share where you're at if you want to post if you want to share something you're working on or you want to share an article you wrote go into the shameless plug channel if you're looking to hire go into this channel like let's try to keep everything organized because there's a lot of people and there's a tremendous amount of engagement and we don't want a few people to ruin it for everyone where someone's like, okay, this is full of spam. I'm not going to engage anyone. You know, that way too much work and way too much time into making this happen. How did you make sure in the earlier days as well? Cause especially for a small communities, you find that people who are, who found around the communities tend to try to get up and running and they post a lot of stuff to get engagement from people, but that might seem from, from the user side that they're over spamming or maybe they're over promoting themselves or, it's just bombarding them with too much messages. How do you find the right balance in getting people to engage? It has to happen naturally. 
So if you're the most, if you're, if the person that runs the community is the most active person in the community, you don't really have a community. You have a feed that people follow along with you at. Yeah. Right. So if you're the most, if it's just you and like I'm part of some groups like that, which I don't mind particularly, but it's the person that runs the community, the founder of the community is the most active person 90% of the time. So you don't really want a community, you just kind of, it's just you talking and people hang around and there's better platforms to create something like that than building a community. So I'm actually very, I'm, I'm not that engaged in my, in our community. I very rarely share. And I just focus on like, Hey, what's the best, how could I grow this community? And how could, you know, we get more qualified members and, and, and stuff of that sort and the engagement I want to happen organically. And if it doesn't, then it's just not a strong community. And, and that's, so that's what I was telling you. They, so a lot of the engagement is not, is very almost zero percent of the engagement is driven by us. So that's what helps with the onboarding and and the, the, some of the things that you mentioned earlier. That really really helps people to get more active. Yep. I guess exactly. Awesome. So let, let's look at some of the trends and and looking forward for OG. So with online communities and with with digital marketing and, and the field, what do you think? Some of the things people are speaking about in the communities that you think that you can't find anywhere else online that you think, wow, that's really awesome. Man, I think that anything spoken about online geniuses, there will likely be spoken in other places online. But like hot topics right now, obviously from like a really high level, artificial intelligence is just a hot topic in general. And we're talking about like real, real machine learning where it's not like where you call a product AI and you realize it's just matching, right? like real artificial intelligence where the computer actually teaches itself, right? Like not a recommendation algorithm where it actually could expand. And that's very, very interesting for marketers because if the algorithm could continuously teach itself when to send out an email, right? So it could send, oh, this email, send this email works at, on in December, people have a very big open, it's the, open rate around 11 o'clock Pacific Standard Time, right? So every December they do that. And oh, and, and the click-through rate is on this color of the button. If the computer could teach itself that. So that, that's a really hot topic and understanding where that fits into marketers, right? So if somebody from, if you're, you're an e-commerce shop selling clothing, what's the best solution if somebody from Alaska visits your site versus, you know, Miami Beach, Florida? Shouldn't it show them different types of clothing, right? And really understanding that and, and there is tools that exist and which tools are the best and who's going to be the strongest about this and which open source platforms can you utilize this type of artificial intelligence for either building your own tools or, you know, implementing on top of a tool that already exists. So very interesting stuff that's like, when will AI be able to write your own content and how powerful would that content be? Or how does AI play a part in SEO and where is that going to go? Because it's going to come. And then a lot of industries are going to collapse and the ones that are going to be the strongest are either the ones developing AI or really understand it enough to utilize it the strongest. That's interesting. So you're seeing a lot of engagement you know, conversation and how have you seen people, have you seen, have you heard direct feedback from people who have taken advice from people, other people in the community and have you seen those case studies anywhere else online? And you said, well, that you know that's it's as a result of being part of the community. Yeah, so every for a while, every Thursday, we did like something called like the CRO teardown. Yep. 
So we, I, I've seen f- firsthand people changing their websites due to the feedback they've gotten in there. When we bring in an AMA guest, the AMA guest might share something that somebody might have been working on for two months and might solve their problem in two seconds, right? And I've seen those things come to life. And a lot of times I'll mark in my calendar to see, oh, hey, that's interesting. Like, this is my site. Like, what could I change to hire the conversion? And I will see the feedback they get and put in my calendar like a month from now to check in on the site to see if it got implemented. I'm just out of curiosity. And most times it has. So I see it and I, and, but it's very hard to do that. It's a very manual process. So a lot of times when I discover what type of impact online geniuses has have is, is when I meet members in person or they reach out to me and say, hey, I made this hire or, you know, me and this OG partnered and we founded a business together or I got this client. And, and then it's very important. Like it's very important to show appreciation to the chain, right? So if you met someone in Online Geniuses and they introduced you to someone and then they introduced you to someone and now that's your co-founder, you should go back up the line and thank all those people. Like, hey, thank you for introducing me to this person. And then you can say, thank you for introducing me to this. And hey, David, thank you for having me in Online Geniuses because all this happened. And the reason why it's important is because you'll always be top of mind because gratitude always pays off. And I see it a lot. I see it a lot on the opposite side of the spectrum where people do tremendous things within online geniuses and they kind of hand off, you know, they go to their next part of their life. And I've seen people make moves and they send me, you know, a really nice email with, you know, a lot of gratitude and it helps. You have to like respect the chain. And I, and I try to do that. Like I'm speaking to myself right now as I say that because I try to do that too, because life moves so fast and sometimes you forget, hey, where, where was this link that connected me here? How did I end up here into, into this position? And a lot of times, if you if you thank them, it's first of all, it's a really easy way to open a conversation with someone you haven't spoken to in a while. Like, hey, I just want to thank you that this happened. You'll almost always get a response because it's just so unusual, unfortunately, that people are grateful. I agree. Like, it sounds like usually, usually because you get the generalized messages asking for paid things instead of getting thank yous. So it's definitely different. Yeah. Yeah, I get like thirty emails a week asking me for stuff people I haven't spoken to in forever. Like, like, not even like a hello. Hey, it's just like, yeah. intro. could you introduce me to this person? And I'm like, I don't even know what the purpose is. And you're going to ask me to introduce you to a friend of mine. Like, let me just explain, you know? So it's very tough, right? There's a lot of takers out there. They're like, hey, how could I just suck out the most out of this? And you see that in online geniuses. Like, how could I get most out of this? How could I take the most? And then there's others who are like, how could I give the most to this community? Exactly. Those end up becoming moderators. Those end up coming in my life that ask me for favors that I'll always return. Adam, you know. It's the glass half full versus half empty. No, or just like, hey, just people are like, I want to give. And then there's matchers. Like, hey, I got something from, you know, you scratch my back, I scratch yours. There's others who just unconditionally give. That's more aligned to my personality because that's how I grew up and that's how I try to live life. So I relate more to those people who are just natural givers. And you meet, you, you, when you meet them, you'll see very transparently that they're just, hey, I want to give. And I told you, I made a group in WhatsApp very recently, and, and in the, it's doing very well, and it's an unbelievable group of people. Like, sir, I couldn't handpick better people. And they, everyone has a few things in common in the group. One is that they have massive networks. So they're like me, either they run a community, or they, or they do something where they have to just meet a, a, a lot of different types of people, and they have these networks, and they're very well-liked. So they end up like, really taking advantage of these connections that they make. And the other thing is that they're givers. So in our group, we don't have to worry about like, if someone needs something and, and there's only like 30 people in there, you'll get it done. If someone in the group was able to help you. 
And it's not like there's a landing page about this. It's like people I've met in my life who I'm like, you know, I, I want to introduce you to some of the people that are closest in my life. And I want to see like how this expands. And good things have happened. Yeah. Not to repeat, not to go to say, repeat the same thing, but I 100% agree with you on this. And how do you share some of the wins with your team? When you're picking out and finding these wins, how do you keep them motivated as well to make sure that they provide and strive for the best as well, like you do for the community? Our wins are very transparent. So like almost every, all of our accomplishments within the community are very transparent. When we hit a certain level of engagements, we announce it. When we get certain guests that we've been trying to get, when we get certain partners that like everything's very transparent. Yep. And, uh, and I think that builds it, that builds up. It's like compounds every time something really good happens because it, it, it's all a chain reaction. If we get a really good partner, the partner might push us. So it might get, a, get us another partner, it might, which might get us a guest, which might get us in a publication, which gets us a lot of signups. It just keeps on flowing. It compounds on top of each other. And I think it's very transparent. It's really, yeah. So the trans, having everything transparent is that what the provides that compounding effect and motivates people to keep going. So yeah, that, that makes sense. David, I guess just to finish off on, on a high note, what do you see next year's plans? Because at the time of this recording, we're, we're recording at December. So what do you see next year's plans and your direction moving forward for OG and, and your new community as well that you've started? No, so I'm running a few communities right now, and I hope that they all just continue to grow. Online Geniuses in particular gets to 30,000 members, hopefully next December. We grew 60% last year, hoping to grow 100% this year, still with the same strategy of organic growth. Who knows? Maybe this podcast is the tipping point. <laughs> I hope I can definitely play a role in that. So yeah. thank you so much for your time, David. I really appreciate it. Thank you for your time. Really. Likewise, appreciate you having me. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the State of Digital Publishing Podcast. Listen to past and upcoming episodes across all major podcast networks. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and join our community groups. Finally, visit stateofdigitalpublishing.com for premium information, resources, and become a member today. Until next time.